As we continue in ministry today, remember, we are praying for each one of you to really experience God's glory, to taste his majesty, and to connect with one another as God speaks through his word. So if you're new to the Sojourn community, we thank you for joining us. We are excited to help you grow in your spiritual life. And for everybody, whether you're new or core to the Sojourn community, let's stay connected. Join a discussion, Google Meet, or connect with a small group, and let's really connect together. Beginning next week, we're going to continue our series out of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17. You could read that in in preparation, and we'll talk about who we really trust. But today, Psalm 27.4, from about about a month ago, just has not let go of me. And so we're going to return to Psalm 27 and return to the issue of core desire. You know, COVID and shelter and home can go one of two directions, but really, this is true for us as Americans in general. Edward Oaks talks about our extraordinary obsession with entertainment. Distraction marks our culture. We're deeply disturbed by silence, so much so, fearing boredom, we plug in earbuds, we play a game, we watch a movie, or we endlessly activate clickbait that leads nowhere. Why? We don't know why. What are we running from? What do we really want? So let's read the verse again. Psalm 27, 4, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to contemplate in his temple. Let's pray. Lord, we sincerely ask that you would lift off the distractions, that you would help us set aside small ambitions and small things and draw us near to you to the one thing that is necessary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how do we become people of one thing? How does our God become our obsession? Like any relationship, it comes through intimacy. So how do we get close to God? So there are several steps here to intimacy with God. The first step to intimacy with God is living in his presence, living aware of him. This is sort of like the living room of the soul, at least in some houses, the living room is like a museum. You can't go there. But in a real living room, that you do a lot of life there. That's why I call it a living room. So this is the living room of the soul that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. So this is one core goal that we have at Sojourn, is to see every, every person experience really understanding and established in the grace of God, knowing that you can live in his presence. So today we're going to talk about some exercises. The obstacles to this are guilt or weak faith or just distraction, as we've said. So we have to grow in grace. So I'm going to suggest some exercises this morning, some spiritual exercises. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If I confess my sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive me my sins and purify me from all unrighteousness. So I'd like to take, have you take that verse, read it, put it in your soul, memorize it, maybe study it a little bit, get an idea of the context, right? 
And then I'd like you to pray through that verse until you know in your soul that it's true for you. If you confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, he'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That word purify, Greek katharizo, is where we get our word catharsis. It's like he's going he's gonna to purify all unrighteousness. And you pray about that verse and you let it marinate in your spirit until you realize, wow, I'm not only forgiven, I am purified from all unrighteousness. And let that just seep into your soul that, that all the yuck, all the guilt, all the mistakes, all the deliberate sins, all the stumblings, they're gone. Now right there, I think some of you are gonna experience peace for the first time in your life or maybe in a long time. Purified from all unrighteousness. Now some of you are like, well, I know that. You know, I've been a Christian 30 years. Do you rejoice in that? Is that a source of joy? When you know this, you'll be filled with joy. Or 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He, God, made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, this is not just forgiven. This is not just purified. This is saying that God made him who had no sin to become sin on our behalf for the great exchange that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ, in him. And when that begins to seep in your spirit, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. As I live in Christ, as I abide in Christ, as I dwell in Christ, I am the righteousness of God in him. I'll give you a little secret. When we focus on our performance, we often fail. When we really grasp who we're already declared to be in Christ, temptations lose their power. And who you are in statement is who you're becoming in fact. Now, I could pick a bunch more. And if you want more, email me. I will give you 20 of them right off the bat. But here is my point. I can preach a sermon or you can read a verse and you can walk away unchanged. But one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. In other words, that I may dwell in God's presence all the time in my life, all day long. How does that happen? By believing the gospel, by believing that what Christ says about us and what he's done for us on the cross is true. And so this is where we take the fundamental, basic truths of the Christian life and we, we use a spiritual exercise, a meditation on the word, and we build it into our soul until we know it is true for us. Not just for that other guy we know that's such a good Christian, but it is true for you on your good days and on your bad days. And you know what? When you begin to sink this into your soul, you have more good days because the truth will set you free. It's powerful. So you grow in grace but then also in living in his presence, take hold of the fact that actually we are in his presence by faith. I started the service with Ephesians 
3.12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I'll say that again. Ephesians 3.12. In him, in Christ, in other words, we, you, you surrender your life to Christ and you're now looked at by God as being in relationship with Christ. In him and through our trust in him, we may approach God not with fear and trepidation, not with guilt hanging our head, but with freedom and confidence as forgiven sons and daughters, as not just forgiven, but who have the very righteousness of God in him. These are the sorts of truths. Now, some of you say, well, man, that's kind of weird. I mean, like I'm still here on earth. But understand that the presence of God is everywhere. He's already with you. He's already present. He's every, he created this world. He's everywhere. It's a matter of us tuning in to him. So it's like a radio. Uh, that, those signals are going out all the time. You know, you tune into your favorite radio or your, your whatever it is, your YouTube station, and it's always there. But when you tune in, you become aware of the presence. So this is like we tune in to the presence of God. You may approach God with freedom and confidence. It doesn't mean you'll feel any different, although I think you will. You do this for a few weeks. <laughs> but you, you become aware by faith that you are living your life in the presence of God. So David says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I dwell, that I live in that place of the presence of God all my life. So as I said before, one of my goals, one of Sojourn's goals for you is that that would become a reality in your spiritual life. That you would so apprehend the goodness of God, the kindness of God in the cross, that you would know on your good days and your bad days, I'm in the presence of God. God is with me and I'm with God by faith. I'm walking with him. Powerful. So put it all together. Your guilt is removed. There's no reason to shrink back from the very presence of our holy and majestic God. And God's made a way for you to be with God in your soul now, anticipating you'll be with him in heaven forever. So I'm asking you, ask God to open your mind and your heart more deeply that you could really live in the presence of God. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell, live in the presence of God all the days of my life. And here's the open secret. You believe it, it's true. You trust that it's a reality and you begin to taste and experience. Yes, God is with me. He is here. Maybe my emotions feel the same. Maybe they feel different, but he is here. I can tell you personally, my own life, at the lowest and most difficult points of my life, that in fact, I knew God was with me, that that was never a question. And that's the peace that is the heritage of every believer in Christ. I want you to claim that heritage. Step out, seize, take hold of that heritage today. So the first step to intimacy is living in his presence. Well, really, I said that a month ago. But what just wouldn't let go of me 
in this psalm is that really there's more. In a way, think of the verse, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. But then he goes a step further, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to contemplate in his temple. In other words, I'm not saying they're hierarchical necessarily, but there's a process here. And so I begin to learn to live in the presence of God. That's great. But you know, I kind of can be in the presence of God and it's like, okay, great. And helping kids with math or whatever I'm doing, you know, in my life. And that's great because that is how God wants it to be. But his desire was stronger than that. Why did he want to live in God's presence? He wanted to gaze upon the beauty of God. (laughs) He wanted to see God, right? He wanted to know God. And so let me just give you a couple examples out of Psalm 145. What what is God like? Uh, It says uh, here, verse three, says, great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. His greatness, no one can fathom, but try. His greatness, no one can fathom, but just give it a shot. You know, sometimes I'm really, really blessed. I, uh, I'm a kind of a nature guy, but I've, you know, I'm called to the university, so I've lived in the city my whole life. But uh, we had to buy a, a bigger house because we had more kids and Kathy and I got remarried. And uh, we got married. And uh, uh, so, you know, the only house we could find that would fit uh, 10 kids uh, that was under $750,000, you know, the only one that we could afford uh, was this one right in the middle of, you know, kind of south, uh, no, northwest corner of St. Paul. And so we bought the house. I didn't even really know what I'd bought. Well, we move in and out my bedroom, which is also my office, right? It, it is a ravine and tree. You can't even see hardly the other side of the block except in the winter. It's like, looking out into the woods. So, so sometimes I'm thinking about, okay, back on, I didn't lose my track. Okay, great is the Lord and worthy of praise. His greatness can no, no one can fathom. And sometimes I'm just looking out that window in prayer, you know, I'm praying, you know. And it's like, on the one hand, there's the, the stuff you see in the daytime, uh, the, the amazing, you know, just trees and what God created. And then other times you're looking out and, and you know, that's, I can't remember. I'm rusty on physics. I haven't taught physics so many years. I can't remember, but like, the farthest dimmest star, I think it's like millions of light years away. In other words, think about this. Your heavenly father sent that light in your direction millions of years before you were born. And it hits your eye. His greatness, no one can fathom. I mean, you know, it gets more complicated, right? Both very far away and very small, biological, it just, his greatness, no one can fathom. It's astounding. And uh, verse five, they speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And again, we can't fully comprehend God. We can't paint a picture of God, right? He's beyond picturing, aniconic. Uh, But uh, just try a little. The majesty of God. Maybe read a little book of Revelation, part of that book, or, or some of the Psalms and some of the, in the uh, Pentateuch, that when the presence of God shows up, his majesty, people are just bowed down under his presence. Just amazing stuff. And then uh, verse seven, his goodness and righteousness. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. He takes care of everybody. And then verse eight, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Did you know that? Did you know God was slow to anger? 
Some of us think he's slow to love and rich in anger. No, he's slow to anger and rich in love. And you know what? Now, here's the thing about the healing of soul. When you read something like this and you realize, I don't really believe that, underline that verse. God's transforming your soul. I think that's how I used to think. You know, God's uh, slow to love and rich in anger. <laughs> no. No, he's slow to anger and rich in love. And then it says, verse nine, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. This is the God worshiping. This is why we gaze on his beauty. Man, I'll tell you, the least child matters. But you know what? Your deepest need, God wants to meet it. But also your simplest need that you think maybe is almost embarrassing to even ask about. And again, the grace of God is revealed most profoundly on the cross of Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He loves. You start to gaze upon God this way, it's gonna change you. You know, it's interesting. Uh, One of the great lovers of God was Moses. And Moses was in a, intense situation where God was about to destroy Israel. He prays and God says, okay, I won't destroy him. And then he says, well, you got to have you go with us because otherwise, you know, everyone's going to beat us up. Okay, I'll go with you. But the real prayer was at the end, or the deepest prayer was at the end. Moses says, Lord, would you show me your glory? Now think about that. If, If Moses' relationship with God was just a task or a ministry, he would never have prayed that final prayer. Right? Because he got the people forgiven. Hey, that's pretty good, right? I've never prayed and have a whole nation forgiven, (laughs) right? He got God to agree to uh, go with them in his presence. Whoa. But he says, no, now show me your glory. Moses was hungry for God himself, not just to do his will. And so God showed Moses his glory, and he was transformed. So much so that they were a little nervous around him. He had to cover his face up. Well, in speaking of that very issue, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, that every single Christian has a better deal than Moses. He says, we who with unveiled faces all gaze upon the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The heart of God is to move you from nervousness and apathy to become one that so confidently seeks his beauty that you are transformed. Listen, the problem in America is not that people don't know the gospel. It's that the people who know the gospel barely know God. When we are captured by his beauty, others will be captured by his beauty. So that's why the psalmist says, one thing I ask of the Lord, 
This is what I seek, just to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, just wherever I am, I'm just in his presence. And then to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, that's what I want, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Oh, man, don't you want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord? Don't you want to see his glory? Don't you want to taste him and know him? And then we'll be transformed. Hallelujah. So I'm going to invite you to fill your mind with the Bible, with the Lord, worship songs, direct your soul toward him. Press in. Focus on prayer this week and ask the Lord. Say, Lord, open my eyes to see you more clearly, to see your beauty and glory. I I ask you, beloved friends, ask the Lord to show himself to you. And you know what? I I believe some of you are going to connect with the Lord in a way that will surprise you and bring you a joy that you've never known. This is such a great opportunity. So the second step to intimacy is gazing on God's beauty. One last step to intimacy is contemplating in his temple. Now, now some of your translations, you think I said it wrong, but I didn't. Some of the translations imply that we're contemplating God, and they'll translate it uh, seeking him in his temple. That actually goes beyond what the Hebrew says. It's not a bad idea. The implication might be there. But literally what it's saying is, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and then that I may contemplate or reflect in his temple. So in other words, he's not asking a second time to see more of God. He's seeing God. He's living in that place of the second step. And now he is contemplating all of life in light of living in the presence of the Lord. David's speaking of contemplation, the perspective on all of life that comes out of the depth of his presence. In his presence, enraptured by his beauty, everything looks different. Maybe you've tasted this already. I know I have. Enter into his presence is the first point. Gaze on his glory is the second point. Now, Slow down. Wait in his presence. Contemplate in his temple. Yeah, contemplate God, but all of it, everything. This will, in a certain sense, loosen you from earthly bonds because you will begin to get an eternal perspective. So, you know, for example, uh, my wife Michelle died, and you, you get a little less attached to earth. And as you contemplate what that means, it changes you. COVID, same thing, right? It's very interruptive. But it can cause us to slow down instead of just filling up our souls with entertainment. Oh, I've got to play another game, you know? I gotta, you know? It's like, wait a minute. Gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Lord, what is my life about? What do I want to do the next two, five, 10, 20 years? What am I fitted for uniquely in your world, in society, and in your body? 
and we begin to contemplate that in his presence. Now, also, this sort of contemplation, it's not the whole solution, but it will help with fleshly bonds. So uh, addictions and that sort of thing where, you know, you're just like, oh, oh," you know, you got kind of a real addictive habit. Um, It can help lift the fleshly bondage. You've got to also crucify the flesh. It's It's a multifaceted thing, but it can help you to give perspective on why you want to do that, right? Uh, it does soften for those of you that have lost loved ones. It softens their death because we're beginning to glimpse all in light of God and eternity. And we realize this life is a blink. Some of you, you know, you're 15, 16, 27 years old, doesn't seem like, but it's, life's a blink. And so we want to spend each day not running frantically, but from that place of, of solid contemplation, understanding who God is, and then deliberately walking out what God has called us to walk out. So the last step to intimacy is contemplating in his temple. Are you hungry for God? I hope so. Let's be people of one thing, living in his presence, gazing on his beauty, and contemplating, reflecting in his presence in the temple. C.S. Lewis tells an interesting story of his wife that I think all of us can relate to. He talks about H, he refers to her. She was haunted all one morning as she went about her work with an obscure sense of God, so to speak, at her elbow, demanding her attention. And of course, at that time, not being a perfected saint, she had the feeling it would be a question, as it usually is, of some unrepented sin or tedious duty. And at last she gave in. I know how one puts it off and faced him. But the message was, I want to give you something. (laughs) And instantly, she entered into joy. What are we running from? What do you really want? Let's pray together. Lord, we're asking, lift the distractions. Help us to quiet our souls. Help us to draw near to you, Lord. If we do that, we know you'll draw near to us. We're asking humbly with hunger through Jesus Christ that by the power of your spirit, would you reveal yourself to us? Break our addictions. Lift our distractions. Take us into the beauty of your holiness and grace. Take us into your presence where it's all peace and joy of knowing you, the revelation of your goodness through the gospel, through your word. Take us in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.